Father, for the word that you have for each and every one of us, Father, meeting each and every need, and we'll be sure to give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Karen. Open your Bibles, if you would, me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Let's begin here in verse, let's begin in uh, verse 15. Paul says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, now it's talking about the gospel. For it is the power of God, now notice, unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice what he's saying here, that the gospel, the good news, it's the power of God unto salvation or deliverance, healing, whatever we want to put into that. We know it means so-so, so we know that it's, it's all inclusive. But notice it's to everyone that believes. It's just not to everybody. It's to everybody that believes. Verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now notice, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, there's three things as far as the, the New Testament is concerned and as far as the dispensation that we live in regarding, regarding the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three areas. We almost always remember these. We must walk, by faith, walk in love, live by faith, and be led by the Spirit. And we cannot separate any of the three. They always work in conjunction with each other. You can have the word on something. That doesn't mean necessarily you're supposed to act on it and do it because you're going to have to be led by the Spirit of God. But we always know it has to be done in love. Faith is energized or activated by love. So we're going to take a look a little bit this morning at some of the things of the Lord Jesus himself. But before we do, go with me over to, um, let's go to Hebrews first, though. Jesus rose up inside me as we were singing. In Hebrews eleven six. you know, in verse 5, it says, By faith... Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Now notice, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's faith. He had this testimony that he was pleasing to God. Of course, then we, you know, we see verse 6, we quote it a lot. For without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must, now notice, must believe, because we've seen in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it requires believing must believe that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice, it's not optional. It says must. It's not optional. Listen to that verse out of the Jordan translation. Listen to the first part of this verse. Without living by the unseen. Did you get that? Without living by the unseen, it is impossible to get such approval. The approval really, that Enoch had, being translated, because it pleased him. Living by faith is living by the unseen. It's living by the unknown. Now, we know it from the Word, or what the Word, the Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts. But in the natural, we don't see it. We don't feel it. We can't touch it. We have to believe. We have to believe. It goes on, and this translation says, for anyone who is serious about the God life, must take stake everything on the fact that God is and that he amply rewards those who make him their quest. 
That means seeking after him. That means laying everything else aside and going after him. Putting him first. Is really, it's Matthew 6.33. It's seeking ye first the kingdom. His way of doing it. Notice, seeking first the kingdom is doing things his way. That's all seeking first the kingdom is. Doing things his Not my way, Lord. No, no, no. Not my way, but his way. Now, go with me with that. Let's go over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Let's begin at uh, verse 16. 1 John 4, verse 16. John says, And we have known and believed. Now notice again, look at the believing. Not wondering, but believing. For we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now notice, because as he is, so are we in this world. So we can look at Jesus, and as he, is, as he was, so are we. Really, as he is, because he's still alive. But as he walked this earth, so are we in this world. Notice, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. But again, let's just center in on that little phrase, as he is, so are we in this world. Now, let's go over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, just going to set a foundation up for us. Luke chapter 4. Now remember as we're reading these next two scriptures. Actually the next three. As he is, so are we. So when we read these, put yourself in there. Not just as he is, so are we. Look in Luke 4.18. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Is it upon you? It better be. If you're not, you may need to get you saved. Get you filled with the Holy Ghost. But he's saying here, now notice, as the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, you've got to understand something in verse 418. He is talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because the Spirit of God was in him. Because he is the Son of God. Now, he's, he's laid aside his power. Or at least he did before this verse. He picked it up in Luke chapter 3, when the Holy Ghost came down upon him. So he was baptized in water, but it says, And the heavens he seen the Holy Ghost come down upon him like as of a dove. And the Father said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He was well pleased because the Son took on the power. He's well pleased because you and I are baptized in the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Spirit, like you, like me, you know, you have a specific purpose on this earth. You were created for a specific reason. So was the Holy Ghost. It's just not God living in you. He's got a call. His call is to lead you and me into all truth. His call is to perfect us. His call is to help us find what our place is on this earth and help us fulfill it. His call is actually to help us to be able to do the impossible. Because see, we're natural human beings, but we became supernatural on the inside. Glory to God. So if we don't have a relationship with him, if we don't yield ourselves over to him, if we don't spend time with him, if we don't fellowship with him, he's not going to be able to direct us what to do. Because he won't do anything beyond what you want to do. It's really right back to what we talked about in, in, in Hebrews eleven six, Being willing to seek him with our whole heart and developing an intimate relationship with him. See, you have an intimate relationship with the Father through the person of the Holy Spirit. Because he's in you. Actually, you know, he's part of the triune being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. They're all three on the inside. In their own form through the person of the Holy Spirit. But they're there. Now look at this verse. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now notice, because He has anointed me. You should say that. He's anointed you. That's what it says, really. That's what it means. He's anointed you. What? To preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news or the power of God unto deliverance. And He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. See, you're all called to preach. You're all ministers of reconciliation and recovering of sight to the blind, spiritually blind, physically blind, and to set at liberty, glory to God, we're to set people free. We're supposed to be free to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 19. Now, Jesus is delegating this authority. You know, this is where he actually delegated over to the 70, but it's been delegated to us because he now is seated at the right hand of the Father. Behold, I give unto you power. That word power actually means authority. It says, I've given unto you authority. Notice, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Now, that's an interesting, that power is not the same as the other power. That's a different word. That means ability. But notice whose ability? Of the enemy. We've given, been given all power over the enemy. He is defeated. The only power he gets is what we allow him to have in our lives. And unfortunately, we allow him to have too much. All of us do. But we're learning. Glory to God. Now notice, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I like what the Amplified says. I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. So we see here the power and the authority that Jesus is. And in 1 John, as he is, so are we in this world. So we have the same power, the same ability because we have the same Holy Spirit. Now, what we have to do is we have to get our mind renewed to that fact. And that's going to require some sacrifice on our part. That's going to require us being willing to lay some other things that we would rather do aside so we can spend time in His presence. Get to know Him, number one, because without knowing Him, you're not going to have anything. You've got to get to know Him. It's an intimacy is what it requires. Now, with that said, let's just take a look at something about Jesus. Go with me to, Acts, or to John chapter 5. These are some scriptures that we've shared before. But look at these things about Jesus. As he is, so are we. Now, power and authority has been delegated to us, so we can do things very, very similar to what Jesus did. In fact, the same works. He even says, and even greater works than these shall we do. But in John chapter 5, verse 19, John 5, 19, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, notice, the Son can do nothing of himself. Well, as he is, so are we. So guess what? We can do nothing of ourselves. The Son can do nothing of Himself. But what He sees the Father do, for what things doeth, soever He doeth, those things also the Son likewise. Notice the next verse. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that Himself doeth. So in essence, Jesus could not see what the Father did without being in His presence. Because he's talking about seeing with the eyes of the Spirit. That's the same way you and I are going to have to see. And again, it's going to require you and I spending some time in his presence. 
But he does want to show us things. In fact, one of the, again, one of the callings, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is what? To show us things to come. So we had advanced knowledge of things. Nothing should surprise us. He's going to show us things. Now, sometimes it's a split second before it happens. But he wants to show us things that to come. Go with me to John, chapter 6. John chapter 6, just a couple scriptures right along this line. This is not all the scriptures that deal with this. But in John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, you and I are not here to do our own will. When we got born again, we were purchased for a price. Galatians tells us that we've died spiritually, and now we've been made alive. In the things that we do in this flesh... We do by faith. We are to fulfill his plan and his purpose that he created for. And again, one of the greatest prayers that you and I should be praying every day is, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Pray in that prayer of consecration, that we constantly keep that foremost in our mind, that we're doing what the Father would want us to do. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. Acts eight twenty-eight. Then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And He that has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. So again, we can see another place. So three different scriptures, there's many, many that show that Jesus only did the things that the Father showed Him to do, and He only said the things that the Father told Him to say. Now, because of the dispensation that we live under, there's another element. We do need to seek his face. We do need to be in his presence. We do need to get orders from him. In fact, look at, uh, I believe it's John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I'll hold that thought until we read this scripture. Yes, John chapter 12, verse 39 out of the Amplified. In fact, the King James says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment of what I should say and what I should speak. The Amplified says, This is because I have never spoken on my own authority, or by my own accord, or as self-appointed. But the Father who has sent me has himself given me orders concerning what to say and what to tell. Notice, the Father gave him orders of what to say and what to tell. The two areas that we need to make sure that we understand is, first of all, we need to hear from the Father. Spend time in His presence. He will show us things. He will speak things to us. And He's going to do that through the person of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Himself said that when He left, it was to our advantage that the Holy Spirit would come, but He would never say anything on His own. He would only say the things that He heard the Father say. So anytime the Holy Spirit's ministering to us, he's ministering to us from the heart of the Father. It's what the Father wants communicated to us. So we need to wait on him and find out what things does he want us to do. But there's another element we can't forget, and that's being led by the Spirit. I was just reading recently a, a, a portion of a book by um, Joyce Myers, and Joyce gave this example in there that she was, she was developing this in her ministry, in her life, early on in her ministry, when God called her into the ministry of waiting on God. She wanted to hear from the Father, just like Jesus did. She wanted to see things, see things in the realm of the Spirit before she stepped out and did things. And one day she was praying, and she, she had an impression in her heart about giving somebody $10. And she was waiting on God and waiting on God and waiting on God for Him to speak to her to go ahead and do that. 
And uh, she just had a strongest impression one day. She went ahead and she just gave the person the $10. After she did that, the Lord spoke to her. And he said, he says, in the dispensation that you live, you can rely on being led by my spirit. But you won't do that without knowing me. But I will lead you. Now listen to what else he said. Even if I had not led you to do that and you did that, I'd still be pleased because your heart was right. How many times have we done something, given somebody money, blessed somebody in some way, some fashion, and we question, I really wonder if that was the Lord that directed me to do that. Well, what's the heart of the Father? That's right. It's to bless somebody. Now, there's another side to that coin, though. Just because somebody has a need doesn't mean you're supposed to fill it. And if somebody is pressuring you to do something, it's not God. He does not pressure. He'll compel you to do something, but he won't pressure you to do something. If somebody's hinting around, they have a need. I wouldn't go fill it. Not unless I know that I know that I know the Lord's directing me to fill it. See, there's another side to this, and that is if you do that, you may be blessed for it, but we want to be led in everything we do. But the other side of that is you may be uh, taking somebody else's blessing away from them because God's trying to deal with somebody else to meet that need or help them meet that need. So we want to always make sure, again, walk by love, live by faith, be led by the Spirit. Now, in the New Testament, in the dispensation we live, we really see Jesus in his ministry. And really, as he is, so are we, so the same ministry so we have. Brought about healing in two different ways. One, the gifts of the Spirit. We see the gifts of the Spirit that were in manifestation in his ministry. And they were really through John 5:19, which is through the Spirit of seeing and knowing. He'd see what the Father told him to do, and he already knew that he had to do some things. And generally, the gifts of the Spirit were involved. But we'll see other places. We'll look at a couple of examples of both of them this morning. But we see other places. Remember, he would say to them, your faith has made you whole. It wasn't the gifts of the Spirit. It was their faith that made them whole. In fact, go with me just a minute before we look at a couple. Look at 1 uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you, Lord. Verse 1 says, now concerning spiritual, it says gifts, which is italicized, means it wasn't in the original Greek. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Really what it's saying, concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to be misinformed. He's talking some things here about the person of the Holy Spirit, not just the gifts of the Spirit. Now the first 11 verses, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Then he goes over and starts talking about the body of Christ, how we're all part of the body. But notice in verse 4, he says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Or you could say different kinds of gifts. There are differences of administration. They're administered differently. But notice, it's the same Lord. And then there's diversities or different kinds of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. I think it's interesting that he brings out the Spirit, the Lord, and God. Still through the person of the Holy Spirit. But then when he goes and begins to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but the manifestation, verse 4 or 7, of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now notice, they're given to every one of us to profit others. But jump down to verse 11. But all these, all the gifts, which talks about verses 8, 9, and 10, all these worketh the one and the self same Spirit. Now notice, dividing 
to every man severally, notice, as he will. Notice whose they are. They're his. Notice, as he will. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They belong to him. They're utilized or they're manifested through you and I, but as he wills, as he decides they're going to go ahead and be used. Now, we can, incre- we can have something to do to increase that. Look at the very last verse of this chapter. It says, But covet earnestly the best gifts that I show unto you a more excellent way. What he's saying, desire of them. What's he saying? Believe in faith that the gifts of the Spirit will manifest through you. As your faith is, so it be unto you. You and I can't turn them off and on, but we can sure desire them. And when he says desire or covet after the best gifts, the best gift is the one you need for that situation. They're all good. They're all right. In fact, the New Living Translation, where the word best is, it says the most helpful gift. The most helpful gift at that moment or at that time. Now, let's take a look. Let's go back into the Gospels. Let's take a look at Jesus. Let's begin at uh, John chapter 5. John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For the angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, and whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Now when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steps before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now notice here in verse 2, we see there's a pool with five porches. Notice, there's a great multitude. There's a lot of people there, a lot of people. We cannot tell from this account, it appears this is the only one that Jesus went to. The only one. It doesn't say he went to anybody else. Now, I've had people tell me, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm not saying they're right either, that in the Scriptures, you know, at the end of the Gospel, it says, and there was so many things that Jesus did, the Bibles, the, the books couldn't record everything he did. So somebody told me, well, he went and healed a bunch of other people that day at this same pool. Well, if I think he did, I think he would have told us that. Now, that's my opinion. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But one thing that we do know, notice something in verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie there, notice, and he knew he had a revelation. He knew something. He knew that he'd been there a long time. How did Jesus know that? He couldn't have known that but by the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit were involved. He knew. He knew that man had been there a long time. I think it's interesting. Jesus asked him a question, Wilt thou be made whole? You know what the guy wanted? 
He didn't even say yes. You get me in the water. Now, he, 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 in essence, he, he assumed that, or he, wanted to, he was trying to say that in his own way. Get me into the water. He didn't have a clue who Jesus was. Did not know who Jesus was. In fact, the scriptures, if you read on, it says later on, they asked him about it. He didn't know who it was. So he didn't know that Jesus was the healer. So here's a place where we see this man's faith had nothing to do with his healing. It was Jesus. It was the gifts of the Spirit that was in, was in manifestation. Now, you know, we read, we've, we've already read verse 19. But an interesting question you can ask yourself. Look at verse 18. You know, in verse um, 9, and immediately, now notice, immediately, immediately the man was made whole. But notice, took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, look at verse 18. Therefore, the Jews... Now, this is when the Jews were talking about this guy getting healed. And, of course, what were the Jews all upset is because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God with his Father making himself equal to God. So they were upset because in verse 10 it says, you know, the Jews therefore said unto him, that was cursed, it is the Sabbath day, it is unlawful for thee to carry thy bed. They were all upset because he got healed on the Sabbath. Let me ask you a question. Could Jesus have healed this man any other day? Absolutely. Well, we've got different opinions here. The answer is no. He could not. Not unless the Father showed him. But in this setting, he could not have. Because look at verse 19. Then Jesus said unto them, now they're accusing Jesus. They're all upset with Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but he that seeth the Father do, for what things the Father doeth, these doeth the Son likewise. Remember back up in that verse 6 where it says Jesus knew? Jesus knew what to do and he knew when to do it. When God tells you to do something, he expects you to do it. You don't do it, you may miss it. Do you ever think of that? For some things in life, there's only one opportunity that comes across our path. And we have to make a decision. Am I going to go with God? Or am I going to go with what I want to do? And we may miss it. Now, I didn't say you'd go to hell. You just won't have heaven on earth. But in this particular case, Jesus is telling them, I've seen the Father tell me what to do. That's what I had to do. Let's look at another account. Let's look at another account. Go with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Beginning at verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God should be made manifest unto him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night comes, and when no man works. As long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind men with clay. And said unto him, Go, and wash the pool of Siloam, which is interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore washed, and came seen. Now notice something here we see in verse 6. Look at the unique way 
that Jesus brought about healing in this person. Spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and anointed the man's eyes with the clay. Well, we can go right back to John chapter 5, verse 19. He's seen that. He's seen himself doing that before he did it. You know, the Holy Spirit will work exactly the same way in your, your life and my life. Because really, John 5, 19, some people coin that as the spirit of seeing and knowing. You'll see things on the inside. It's being led by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is showing you things. But he'll show you what to do. And it's because of your obedience that that individual will receive their manifestation. Now look at another account similar to that in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Let's go to verse 31. Mark seven thirty-one. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they brought unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they besought him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his finger in his ears and he spat and he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said unto, he said unto him, Ephatha, that he be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. So notice here again we see Jesus again doing something quite unique. But you know, I think it's interesting. Notice what they said to Jesus. See, where's it at? Notice, uh, verse 32, the end of verse 32. And they beseech or besought him, notice, to put his hand upon him. They were familiar with the ministry of laying on of hands. Do you see that? They besought him, Jesus, come and lay his hands upon him. Notice, Jesus didn't do that. He did something else and said, first of all, notice what he did. He took him aside. Jesus wasn't there to put on a show. The whole point of this is, don't just do something because you did it that way before. Be led by everything that we do. Even in your own life. You might have an infirmity in your body, and, and God might direct you to stand on a certain portion of Scripture or do something specific to bring about that healing or that manifestation or that, that answer to that prayer. And you might have something almost identical to it later on sometime. We still have to seek his face. Because we're to be led by the Spirit. We don't know what direction he may want us to do this time. He may want us to do something else. And the first time that, that you have that infirmity on you, you might have the infirmity. The second time, and it's, it's the devil. We always know it's the devil. But the second time that you have the symptoms, that may be all that they are. It's just symptoms. And it just may require you just to speak to it. Now, we can always speak. We know that. We know we have that authority to be able to do that. We already took a look at that authority that's been delegated to us. But we want to make sure that we're always led by the Holy Ghost. We want to make sure we just don't react to things that we check on the inside. He's our helper. Remember, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. What would make us think we can we can do nothing on our own. But we have the helper, which is part of the Godhead on the inside, to help us do those things that we need to do.
So we need to always make sure we're checking with Him. But see, we should have such an intimacy with Him that we're communicating with Him almost constantly. Always checking down on the inside. Now, it is going to require us to spend some time alone with Him to do that. But also understand something. Everything in the realm of the Spirit can always be looked back to the realm of the natural. That, that's our example that we can see. Remember, he said in the, in the New Testament, he used the, the example of even the old of seed time and harvest. There's got to be the seed. It's got to be planted. It's got to be watered. There's going to be the harvest. Well, even in our lives, we're all at different levels spiritually. And the younger that we are, a babe in Christ can have manifestations just as much as the person that's older in Christ. I mean, if you have a child, well, we got a, we got a little three-month-old grandson now. We got a three-year-old and a three, or a, yeah, and a three-month-old grandson now. Guess what? We can't. The three-month-old can't one can't do near as much as the three-year-old can. So how does he get it done? Somebody helps him. We've always got the Holy Spirit helping us, but He does expect us to grow up. So there's some growing that we have to do. Now let's look at a couple of examples of where uh, the people's faith is what brought about their manifestation. Let's go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. See, sometimes, whether it's for yourself or you're ministering healing, sometimes it's going to be by the gifts of the Spirit. There will be a spirit of seeing. You know, you're just going to, as Jesus, it says, that he knew. There's just going to be some things that you know. You know it on the inside by the Holy Ghost. But there's going to be other times. Faith always works. Especially for ourselves. When we're seeking after God for, for healing, I mean, let's be honest, we all would desire for the gifts of the Spirit to be in manifestations. Whoop, it's done, it's over with, let's go on. But you know that sometimes that's not to our benefit? If things sometimes happen too fast, we don't learn anything. You have a problem with that, aren't you? Because <laughs> we all want them to happen fast. Now, sometimes things have to take time to pass. Because we've got to grow and develop in some things. Do you trust Him? It's easy to say we do. Walk through some things and you'll find out if you do. <laughs> do you trust Him? Look at uh, Mark chapter 2. Let's begin at verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after the same days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway a man... Many were gathered together inasmuch as there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as above the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not from nigh unto him for the press, they covered, uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them of the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And of course, then they argued with him about that. And he said, Take up thy bed, verse 11, and walk. Notice, though, notice he saw their faith. It's their faith that got this man healed. Now, notice, it just wasn't the faith of the man. It was the faith of all of them. They were all involved in that. Somebody, we don't know, the Scriptures don't tell us. Somebody had the idea, let's go up top the roof, let him down through the roof. That way we can get him in. I don't know if it was the man that was sick of palsy or if the guys that were taking him in were all of them. I don't have any idea. Scriptures don't tell us. But notice something. Faith can be seen. He saw their faith. See, here, faith was not just words. Now, we know it had to be words. Words were involved. 
Somebody had to communicate, let's go to the top of the roof, take the roof off and let him down through. Words were communicated. Faith will always involve words. Sometimes that's all faith will involve is words. But many times there will be an action we have to put with that. And again, how do we know that? How do we find out what that action is? Who's the helper? That's where we rely on the one that's on the inside. Rely on him. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. You're very familiar with this one. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. The woman with the issue of blood. Now notice, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. Notice, 12 years. You need to meditate on this, this portion of Scripture down through verse 34 to really get a hold of this. 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Spent all that she had. Was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Notice, went to all the doctors... And they practiced medicine, and he didn't work. Spent all of her money, so not only did she have a physical infirmity, now she's got financial issues on top of it. But notice verse 27. And when she heard, how's faith come? Faith comes by hearing. When she had heard of Jesus, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment. Verse 28 says, For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Now notice, it says, For she said. I like what the Amplified says that verse 28. It says, She kept saying, If I can but touch his clothes, if I can but touch his clothes, if I can but touch his clothes. What she was doing, she was painting herself an image. She was getting a mental image. I really believe that. She says, If I can but touch his clothes. She knew what the law was. Are you willing to defy all odds to get what belongs to you? Because the custom here, now remember the setting is, Jesus is with a Roman centurion. If we go back to the beginning of this chapter, the Roman centurion had a little girl that was sick. Jesus, if you could come lay your hands on my daughter, she'll be made whole. They're going, they're on their way. And here's a woman, and of course it says there was a crowd, it's a multitude, it means it was a mob. And according to Jewish law, it was against the law for someone that was unclean to be in public setting with people, or they could be stoned to death. The, the centurion had the authority to do that, if he so desired. Now notice something here else. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. Notice the feeling didn't come till after she took her action of faith. Which was, notice, she kept saying, she not only spoke, but she also went into the crowd. Now notice something else, verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing himself, the virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And as the disciples said, Thou, There's a multitude, a lot of people here. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's been rubbing up against you. He looked around about to see that what had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. And he said unto thee, Thy daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Now the other translations or the, the other gospels bring out, she touched the hem of his garment. Meaning, she was, on her, she was on her knees. She was crawling. Crawling through the crowd. There's a multitude of people. You've been in, in large crowds where there's a multitude of people. Sometimes it's hard to get through the crowd. But you can have a little child, a little one. Man, they zip right on through that crowd. How is that? They're amongst the people's feet. She knew that. She got down on her hands and knees. I'm going for this. She went after it, defied everything, went after it. 
She got it. But now notice Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith may be whole. She didn't quit. Don't quit. Twelve years. Now we know she was seeking healing because she went to physicians. And we're not saying physicians are wrong. It's just this case, they couldn't help her. Twelve years. No money. She didn't quit. Don't quit. Wherever you're at, don't quit. Yeah, but what if I die? Sick. Well, you're going home in faith. Like one man said one time, I'd rather die believing than not believing. Amen. At least when I go in the kingdom, I'm going in faith believing. And I'll tell you, you'll get it then. Well, we want it here, and we have a right to have it here. It's been bought and paid for us to have it here. We need it here. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark 9. Verse 27. That's not the one I wanted. That one's good, but that's not the one I wanted. Let's see. Well, oh, I'm sorry, it is. It's Matthew 9. I can't read my own writing. Matthew chapter 9. Didn't think that sounded right. Verse 27. Matthew 9, 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes according to their faith, and be it unto you. Now, another setting of this, in one of the other Gospels, it brings this out, and it says that the, the blind men came to Jesus, and they were crying out to him, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he kept right on walking. Thy son of David, have mercy on me. He ignored them. The reason he ignored them is because he didn't have anything on the inside of him telling him, go lay hands on them. Because he's always led by the Spirit. He only did those things that he's seen. Notice, he said to us, he told us in, in John 12, 49, I only do those things that the Father orders or commands me to do. So he's walking. They're coming after him. They want their healing. Notice, he goes into the house. They came in with him. Then he asked them, what do you want me to do? And look what he said again. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said unto him, yes, Lord. Then touched their eyes, saying, according, now notice, according to what? Your faith. Notice the tenaciousness. They didn't quit. They went after it. They went after it. And they went after it. That's the way you and I have to be. Whether it's healing, anything. If you, have, if you have a word of the Lord that He speaks to your heart, or if you have a word from the Scriptures that He's quickened you, and He's illuminated it to you, meaning you got a revelation of this particular Scripture, you don't stop till you receive it. You don't beg Him. You believe Him. Remember Romans chapter 1? Power of God is the gospel to them that believe. It's in the believing that we receive. We have to believe. But we've got his word. It's difficult to believe someone if you don't know them and can't trust them. And that, again, is why it's so important that we do spend time with him, spend time getting to know him. Now, look at something else here. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. 
Hebrews chapter 3. We'll begin to wind this up a little bit. Hebrews chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 3. Let's begin at verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation of the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now he's talking about the children of Israel that were in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. For I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any in you among you an evil heart, now notice, an evil heart of unbelief, meaning they didn't trust him. He told them things, he showed them things, and yet they constantly didn't believe. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now notice what the deceitfulness of sin really was, unbelief. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. When God first speaks something to you, again, whether it's by the Spirit of God to your heart or whether it's by a scripture that he quickens to you, immediately you have a confidence. On the inside, you know that you know that you know. Glory to God, that's mine. But notice what he's saying here. We are made partakers if we hold the beginning of our confidence. Meaning, your worst enemy is time. You know, Rick Renner's got that book, Dream Thieves, and one of the biggest thief that you're going to encounter, it's not the only, there's about eight of them, but the biggest one you're going to encounter is time. We are moved by time, and we should not be because there is no time in the realm of the Spirit. Absolutely none. I mean, you think about it, when, when Adam and Eve uh, were, were deceived and they sinned, God prophesied there was a deliverer coming. Do you know it only took 4,000 years? And you think you've waited. 4,000 years. See, he's not moved by time. Don't you be moved by time. Our flesh is. But we're dead to our flesh. Galatians 2.20. We're dead to the flesh. Let's go on. Look what else he says here. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice. Notice, harden not your heart. Now, how do you do that? Through unbelief. Harden not your hearts is in the provocation. For some, when they have heard. Now, notice, some. That's not you. That's not me. Some. They did provoke. Howbeit not all came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned? whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter the rest? But them who, will notice, believe not, or really we could so, say, those who refuse to be fully persuaded. That's what really believing is, being fully persuaded. They refuse to be fully persuaded. So we see they could not enter into because of unbelief. Now, it doesn't stop there. He keeps right on writing. He's not done yet. Thought is still, still the same. Let's go into verse chapter 4. Let us therefore... Fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into the rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now notice, for unto us the gospel preached. Remember Romans 1, 5, 16, and 17. For unto 
us, the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached, notice, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them who heard it. For we which have believed do enter into the rest. And entering into the rest is really also receiving our manifestation. Notice the importance of believing. Now go with me to Mark chapter 4. We'll close here. Mark chapter 4. Now Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, tells us how the kingdom of God operates or how the kingdom of God works. In fact, Jesus, well, I think it's, yeah, verse 13, he says, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? You don't understand how this works, you're not going to understand anything. And, of course, he's telling us how the kingdom works. He's also telling us here in verses 16 and 17 how the enemy is going to come. The thief is going to come to try to steal that word from us. He gives us all the different avenues that the enemy is going to use to take that word from us. So we should be aware of that. We should be knowledgeable of the devices that the enemy uses. And when we're aware of that, then we can stand against these things. We're, we're prepared that that comes. We're already ready for that, and we can cast those things. I'm not saying you're not going to be tempted sometimes to quit and give up, but don't. The temptation is not sin. Acting on the temptation is sin. Temptation isn't. We're all going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted like as we are, but yet he didn't sin. So he can feel the feelings of our, he understands the feelings of our infirmities. But let's go down to verse um, 26. Verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God as a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the ear, then the ear, then the full corn in the year. Now notice that little phrase, and he knoweth not how. A lot of things about walking by faith, there's going to be things you don't understand, but you know you don't have to understand to believe. You don't have to understand exactly how he's going to do things. And seldom will you know how he's going to do things. And where we get into trouble sometimes is that we do walk by faith in a certain situation where we receive the manifestation and we put God in the box and think that's how he's going to do it this time. And that may not be how he does it this time. But know what he's telling us here of how the kingdom of God operates. In verse 28, the earth. Now what's our, what's our earth? What's our soil? It's our heart. Our heart. Because in verses 15, 16, 17, 18, he's talking about the seed being sown. And who sows the seed? The sower. Who's the sower? You are. Talking about sowing the seed into our hearts. But he says here in verse 28, the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Notice, your heart will bring it forth. All we have to do is believe. But notice the time frame involved in this. First, the blade. Then, the year, then the full corn in the year. And you know the farmer isn't done yet? He's got to go harvest it now. Gives you a great understanding of this if you're familiar at all about farming. They plant in the spring and they don't harvest till the fall. They plant in the spring and they wait. The farmer doesn't run out there every morning and after he put that corn kernel in the ground and move the dirt and see, is that thing sprouting yet? Is that thing sprouting yet? No, because what's going to have to happen first with every one of us, it's got to go deep first. It's got to get rooted 
within us. We're to be, remember he tells us, we've got to be rooted and grounded in the things of God. That's how we get established in the faith, being rooted and grounded. And then we'll begin to see little things begin to take place. The key is, is knowing when to harvest. There can, be a, there can be a corn stalk out there, and it'll look like it's ready. In fact, it might even have ears on it. And you go out and you pull that, that, that shuck off that ear or off that cob, and guess what? It's empty. It's bare. The kernels haven't developed yet. It's not time yet. Don't be moved by time. The Scriptures, in regards to healing... You're already healed. That's what the Bible tells us. So just believe it. Now do the things that you need to do. If it's certain things that doctors tell you to do and you feel led to do that, you do those things. But you can't be moved by what you see. You can't be moved by what you can't be moved by what you don't see. You can't be moved by what you feel. You can't be moved by what you hear. Have this word so rooted and settled and, and, and down inside your heart. And if the Lord decides to use the gift of the Spirit to bring the manifestation, praise God for it. But your job and my job is to believe. Let's go back again now to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Let's look at this as, as we end up here. Romans chapter 1. So you understand something. We're to live by faith. Without faith, we're not going to please Him. We have to walk by faith. We live by faith. Now, there are cases where God occasionally will intervene on His own initiative. He will do that. Occasionally, He will intervene. And we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit being in manifestation. But understand something. That's not the ordinary way in the covenant you and I live under. Understand something. Jesus is our example but did not live in the covenant you and I are in. Now, he had the Spirit of God in him, but the people he was ministering to was the world. Now, we'll be ministering to the world as well. But we have the Spirit of God in us, and he expects us to have fellowship, to have a relationship with, it, with him, and to be led by him. He ordinarily does things in our lives through faith. And what's that? Believing him and taking him at his word. Look here again. Paul says in verse 16, Romans 1, 16, notice, For I'm not, don't be ashamed of the gospel. You don't have to be ashamed of anything this word of God tells you. You know, the, the scriptures tell us we're kings and priests in this life. Don't be afraid to act like one. How's a king act? How's a priest do? They know who they are. There's a confidence that they have about themselves because they know who they are. So don't be ashamed of this gospel. Notice, it's the power of God unto deliverance to everyone that believes. Every one of us. Every one of us have it. So whether it's the gifts of the Spirit that are in manifestation or it's your faith, if this Word tells you it belongs to you, or if the Spirit of God instructs something in your heart, drops something in your heart, you take that like a bulldog. You have bulldog faith, and you don't let go of that. However long that may take. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years she suffered. But you know, she didn't die sick. In fact, the Scriptures tell us, if you really look at it, Jesus says, thy faith has made you. It didn't say healed. It says whole. 
I believe what he was telling her, she was completely restored. Financially as well as physically. She was made whole. We're already healed. We're already blessed. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we live by faith. From faith to faith. Ever increasing. Ever changing into His image and His likeness. Glory to God. Father, we just thank You. We thank You, Holy Spirit, that You are the teacher. We thank You, Father, that You did send us a helper. Oh, that we would ever readily, readily rely on Him. Holy Spirit, we thank You that You live in us. And we ask You, Holy Spirit, that You do teach us, that You do communicate to us, that You, you do impress these things upon us. And Holy Spirit, if for some reason we're not hearing You, if we're not sensitive to You the way that we should be, we ask You, Holy Spirit, speak up, prod us even greater, because we so desire to do exactly what is you want us to do, to be exactly where you want us to be, to say exactly what you want us to say. And only those things do we say. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Father. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. God bless you.